Uh, before we begin, let me uh, open up in a word of prayer, please. Oh, Holy Spirit, how I need you right now. Give me the passion and the excitement to teach this lesson today, oh, Holy Spirit. Anoint us with the overflowing presence in this room. Lord Jesus, may you be glorified and magnified in all that I say. And Father God, thank you for your word this gift we love you and we praise you amen all right revelation chapter four um before i began i did most of my studying was through a life application bible and the john MacArthur study bible and the warren wearsby's commentary so that's where i drew a lot of my notes from uh, revelation in the greek is apocalypsis which means an uncovering, an unveiling, or a disclosure. And what this book, Revelation, reveals is the glory of Jesus Christ. When we read the gospel, it first tells us of Jesus being born as a baby, wrapped in cloth, born in a, bed of, in a barn in a bed of hay. And growing up, Jesus was subject to earthly time and earthly parents. And he is also, as growing up, subject to Roman rule. But then at God's appointed time, Jesus took his position on the cross as a sacrifice for all of our sins. He was persecuted, mocked, and laughed at as he hung there dying on the cross as a slain Lamb of God. And this is the Jesus who we get to know in chapters 4 through 7. This is Jesus who began as a humble, suffering servant and ends up as the all-powerful, conquering king and judge. This is a Jesus that we bow down to and worship today. Warren Wearsby, I read a quote from Warren Wearsby where it says that true spiritual worship is, behind, is perhaps one of the greatest needs in our individual lives in our churches today. So guys, maybe we should go ahead and get a head start and do it now. Revelation chapter 4 and 5 is going to help us get a better, better understanding of what true worship really is. Chapter 4 begins the third division of the book of Revelation, which is the themes which shall be hereafter. Okay, verse 1, here we go. Let's get ready, here we go. After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking to me, saying, Come up here, and I'm going to show you the things which must take place after this. Guys, when I began reading this verse, the Holy Spirit was just telling me to read it again and again and again because I was missing something. There's something in this verse that I was skimming over, and that's normally what I do when I first read the Bible. I just skim over the first couple of verses and try to get to the meat. But in this verse, this first verse, there's something here that's beautiful that I don't want to minimize. When the writer John looks up, he sees the door to heaven is open. And isn't that something to thank God for? I thank God for the open doors 
means that we have access to God. We get to take a peek behind the curtain and see what heaven is all about. And if anybody else is like me, I also thank God for the closed doors. Because there's been times in my life that I was going someplace I shouldn't have been. Verse 2. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one who sat on the throne. God the Father is referred to as the one who sits on the throne many times in this uh, book of Revelation. And throne is a key word used 14 times in this chapter. And reading this verse, it should give us comfort knowing that God is on his throne. So that no matter what may happen in our lives, God is always in control. Verse 3, and he who sat on it was like jasper and sardius stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. There's really no possible way to describe what God looks like, what his essence is. So John has to use um, precious stones, the radiance is precious stones to describe God. The uh, rainbow that's talked about here, is a complete circle. It's around the throne. It's a complete circle rather than a horseshoe because all things in heaven is complete. A rainbow also signifies God's faithfulness to his word. And here, the rainbow is seen before a storm when normally we see a rainbow after the storm. Verse 4. Around the throne were 24 elders or 24 thrones. And on the thrones I saw twenty-four elders sitting, clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their, on their heads. The twenty-four elders here, guys, represents the twelve tribes and the twelve apostles, which is an, a, a, a representation of all of God's people, which is me and you. Verse 5 says, And from the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. Seven lamps of fire were, borning, were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. The thunder and lightning here coming from the throne represents that God's righteous firestorm that God is about to unleash on a sinful world. And probably about five years ago, I was probably in one of the most scariest times in my life that I can recall. Um, I was coming out of a restaurant in Signal Mountain. I don't know if you remember this, honey, or not. But uh, a huge storm was downpouring. So I was getting out, uh, going to pull the van up, and this lightning bolt came out of nowhere. I went about 20 feet in front of me was a telephone pole. And it had that one of those electronic transformers or something, and one of those big gizmos on it. And the lightning bolt struck that transformer. And I actually could just remember just, I mean, I was 20 feet from there, so I was scared half to death. Um, all I could remember just this huge crash and this blinding light, and sparks were just flying from this telephone pole. It caught on fire. It was, I mean, I was totally scared. The first thing I wanted to do was just run back into the uh, restaurant. So, but, you know, and, and when I was thinking about that, I was just thinking about what John was, what he was, the spectacle that he was seeing when he was looking into the throne room about all the th thunder and lightning. I bet, he, I bet he was probably scared to death, too, just like I was when I saw that lightning. Verse 6. Verse 6 says, Before the throne there was a sea of glass, like crystal. And in the midst of the throne were four living creatures, full of eyes in front and in back. The four creatures here represents 
are four, are, um, the four creatures are in the midst of the throne. They are cherubims, and they do three things. They guard the throne, they lead worship, and they proclaim God's holiness. And their faces also signify the attributes of Jesus. Verse 7 says, The first living creature was like a lion. The lion here represents the majesty and the power of Jesus. The second living creature is like a calf. The, it represents the humble and sacrificial service to God. The third living creature had a face like a man. This represents Jesus' humanity. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle, which represents sovereignty. And notice here, guys, that the verse says the face of a flying eagle. This is the New King James Version. Does anybody else have anything different than a flying, flying eagle? No? And I was, you know, why is that? Why does it say a flying eagle and, rather than just an eagle? I thought that was, that was curious to me. And I really couldn't find any commentary on it. But really, when you look at an eagle, you can really only see the true essence of an eagle. is when it's soaring high into the heavens above. An eagle in flight is really where you can see the majestic power and grace of an eagle. So I think that that's why it says the face of a flying eagle. Verse 8. The four living creatures, each having six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Here, guys, notice that they are worshiping God the Father day and night without rest, not just on Sundays and Wednesdays. And uh, I need uh, Barry, Bobby, Josh, Shandy, and Jim to come and sit down right here in these chairs. And as, they're, uh, as they sit down, I'm going to go ahead and start with verses 9. <laughs> All right, verse 9. Whenever the living creature would give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, this is God who lives forever and ever. Verse 10 says the 24 elders would fall down before the throne who sits on the throne and worships him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne. And they say, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you, you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Guys, as we learned earlier, the 24 elders here represents us. And uh, previously, Jim talked about in chapter 2. <laughs> Jim talked about in chapter 2 that uh, the faithful ones are called overcomers, or Nike in the Greek. And we do many things, guys, to receive our crown. Many things. We receive crowns for always being faithful, even when your ship is on the bottom of an ocean. <laughs> we receive crowns. Jim, how long have you been teaching Sunday school class? Uh, on about 20 years. 20 years. It took me about three weeks and probably like 20 hours <laughs> to teach this lesson here. And so, Jim, we receive crowns for spending countless amounts of time and effort and doing a great job at it. There you go. <laughs> we receive crowns for being a strong witness to our children and our wife. There you go. 
We receive crowns for being in the biggest, for being faithful and never letting go of Jesus. Even in the biggest fight of your life, battling cancer. We receive crowns because we all know who wears the crown in my family. <laughs> and she's pretty. So there you go. All right. <laughs> okay, you guys can get up now. You're good. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. You can keep the crown. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to tell you a quick story. Uh, it was told, I've, I've known it for a little while, but David Iverson told it again yesterday. About, and it kind of, and it, you know, when I was thinking about these 24 elders, I was kind of figuring out what they looked like. Were they really old men or what? You know, I think that they were. I think that these 24 elders have faces like children. And the reason why I think that is because a lot of people know David and Shanna Iverson. David's our youth pastor here. He's been here for a long time. And they have a daughter named Alana, who's 10. And about five years ago, they had this dog named Lily. And they took Lily to obedience training school. And they took Alana there because they want Alana, it was Alana's dog, they want Alana to learn the uh, commands. So as they were in training school, the dog, Lily, performed a command and did it correctly. So, um, so they told Alana, Alana, Lily did it. Go ahead and praise the dog. Praise Lily for what she did. So Alana thought for a minute and she got down on her knees. She goes, Oh, Lily. <laughs> Oh, Lily. We praise you, oh, Lily. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's a funny story. That's, there's, and there's, there's two reasons why I told that story. Is one, because it's funny. And the other, because, you know, Jesus tells us to come to him as children. And maybe that's how we need to uh, praise God. Maybe that's how we're going to do it in heaven. Okay, chapter 5, verse 1. The Lamb that takes the scroll says, I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the, throw, on the throne a scroll written on the inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Here, guys, in, in chapter 5, we begin to see the worship of the Redeemer, Jesus Christ. The focus and praise of the worship is now shifted to the Lamb of God. And here in verse 5, we see that the, the, in the Roman times, the, the uh, Romans would seal their scrolls seven times to prevent unauthorized entry. And so the scroll could only be opened by the appointed person. And here the writing, where it says um, it's written on the both the inside and on the back, it, uh, it signifies that nothing else can be added. It's a completed and finished document. Verse 2 says, Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. Verse 4, John says, So I wept much, because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look at it. But verse 5 says, But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David. Both of these are messianic titles of Jesus Christ. He has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne of the four living creatures, in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as though it had been slain having seven horns, seven eyes, and seven spirits of God. 
that was sent out into all the earth. Verse 7 says, Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Guys, here notice that when uh, the elder tells John to look up, watch the lion, the prevailed lion, come to take the scroll from God. When John looks up, he doesn't see a lion, does he? He sees a slain lamb. Jesus Christ is referred to the Lamb 28 times in Revelation. Jesus Christ is the true Passover Lamb. And the scars are still visible from the slaughter that He received. But He is not dead, but rather He's still standing. And in fact, the seven horns tells us that His power is complete. The seven eyes tells us that His wisdom is complete. And the seven spirits tells us that his presence is perfect and complete. And this is why we worship Jesus for who he is. That's one of your blanks. He is the worthy one. He's the prevailed Lamb of God. And this is why we worship Jesus for where he is. That's another blank. He is in the midst of the throne with the Father. Verse 8. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Notice that when the Lamb took the scroll, when Jesus took the scroll from the Father, the weeping ended and the praising began. The praise and worship was united and the incense. Is a, the incense here is a picture of the prayers rising up to the throne and into the nostrils of God. And this is why we worship Jesus, because of what he does. Jesus takes the scroll from the Father. Verse 9, they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. This hymn, guys, is a worship hymn, but it has three parts. First part is a, uh, it's a missional or a missionary hymn where it says, For all the people he was slain, it says, Every tribe, every tongue, and every people he was slain for. So it's a missionary hymn. It's also a devotional hymn. It states our unique position as kingdom priests. And it is a prophetic hymn also where it says, We shall reign on the earth. Those are all blanks for you guys to fill in if you want. Verse 11. Then I looked and I heard a voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Verse 13 says, Every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such that are in the sea, all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. This is why we worship Jesus today, guys, because of what he has. Jesus has all the power, he has all the riches. Jesus has all the wisdom, the strength, the honor, and the glory and blessings. And here the praise ended in a corporate worship with all the angels, every creature from the earth, joining together 
to worship the Redeemer, Jesus Christ. And the worship ended in praising the Lamb and God, the Lamb of God, and the Father seated on the throne. And all this began, all this praise and worship began because the Lamb was worthy enough to take the scroll from the Father's right hand. Revelation chapter 6. After Christ is worshipped here as being the only one worthy enough to break the seals, Jesus begins to break each individual seal from the scroll. And as of the seals is broken, a new demonstration of God's judgment is unleashed. The first seal, the conqueror. When Jesus Christ breaks the first seal, a white horse comes out, and he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him. And he went out conquering. And this begins the reign of the Antichrist on earth. He is going to be a great deceiver that will come as a peaceful but yet powerful leader. The bow with no arrows represents power and peace. And the crown he wears is a laurel wreath that is awarded to athletes. This crown was given to him by the world's leaders. The second seal, conflict on earth. When Jesus Christ breaks the second seal, a, black, a fiery red horse comes out. And it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth and that people should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. Here we see the transformation of the Antichrist changing from a man of peace to a man of war. The third seal, scarcity on earth. When Christ breaks the, the uh, third seal, a black horse comes out. And he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. Verse 6 I says that I heard a voice and in the midst of the four living creatures saying a quart of wheat for denarius and three quarts of barley for denarius. Here, guys, the color black refers to famine. And the shortage of food is going to drive up the prices so that a day's wage can only feed one person per day. No longer will a man or woman be able to support them and their children. Everyone will have to earn a day's wage in order to eat. The fourth seal, widespread death on earth. When Jesus Christ breaks the fourth seal... A pale horse comes out, and the name of him who sat on it was Death, and Hades followed him. And power was given over to them over a fourth of the earth, to kill with sword, with hunger, with death, and by the beast of the earth. Here, guys, the color pale in the Greek is used to describe the decomposition of a corpse, which is really significant because this writer is going to bring death to 25% of the world's population. And also, guys, take note that here that death is riding the pale horse and Hades, which is hell, is right behind him. Death is going to claim the, the bodies while Hades is going to claim the soul. But let's not forget what Jim told us in Revelation 1.18 where it says that Jesus holds the keys to death and Hades. So he is owned by them. So let's, let's never forget that. The fifth seal, the cry of the martyrs. When Jesus Christ breaks the fifth seal, John sees under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. Right now, guys, the world wants nothing to do with Jesus, so they begin killing people for their faith. These martyrs were probably murdered in the early part of the tribulation, and their murderers were still on earth. These martyrs also represent all who have laid down their life for Christ. And God also makes it clear in this fifth seal, that 
their death was no accident, but rather a divine and holy appointment, and that others are going to join them. God is in control even in the death of his people, guys. The sixth seal. When Christ breaks the sixth, sixth seal, cosmic disturbances take place. There's going to be a great earthquake. And verse 13 says, And the stars fell to the earth. Verse 14 says that the sky receded as a scroll when it was rolled up. And every mountain and island was moved out of its place. Verse 15 says, And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man, hid themselves in the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. This earthquake represents is, is God's full fury of the day of the Lord. The repre- this earthquake is going to be one of three in which all of nature is going to be affected. The sun's going to be affected, the moon, the stars, the heavens, the mountains, and islands. And also take note here that people are trying to run from God in fear when they really should be running to Him in faith. And there's also something ironic here is that you see all these mighty men, these great men, these strong men, Rich men, kings, they're trying to hide from the face of a lamb. How ironic is that? And if you want to do some kind of some homework sometime, read Matthew 24, verses 4 through 13. It's where Jesus describes to the, uh, to the 12 apostles the end times. And read Revelation chapter 6 and just see how much they compare. It's very neat how they compare with one another. Revelation 7, chapter 7, is the seal of Israel. Verse 3 says, Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. Verse 4 says, And I heard a number of those who were sealed, 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. Here verse 3 tells us that God is still in the business of saving souls. He is still merciful. Even in the end times, it's never too late to receive salvation. That's one of your blanks to fill in. And the seal here mentioned in verse 3 is a signet ring that's used to press its image into wax melted on a document. But you know what? I don't think that God uses wax. I think that God uses the blood of Calvary to dip his signet ring and seal each one of those 144,000 chosen Jews. This seal is going to protect them because there's going to be a judgment going on earth that's going to hurt heaven and earth. And also this seal, they're going to receive the Lord's seal. The name of God is going to be their seal rather than receiving the mark of the beast. Let's go on to uh, the multitude from the great tribulation. Verse 9. Verse 9 says, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could, could number, of all the nations, tribes, people, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb of God, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands. And they're crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne, and the elders, and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and power and might be to our God forever and ever.
Amen. Guys, here the multitudes that's represented here are the Gentiles from all nations and people and tongue. This is the culmination of Mark 16, 15, where it says, Go ye therefore into all the world and preach to all the creatures. These are people who have been saved through faith during the tribulation period. The white robes and the palm branches symbolize victory. They are the true overcomers. First, they were accepted. They stood before the throne and the Lamb. Second, they were joyful. They began to sing praises. And third, they were rewarded. And guys, this chapter ends with some of the most awesome words you can find. Verses 15 through 17 are a great way to, use, to utilize the uh, Bible study method personalization, which basically is uh, taking your name or a pronoun that represents, represents you and place it into these verses. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going I'm to do these, uh, I'm going to read out these verses, 15 through 17. And I'm going to use, uh, let me use Jesse's name. All right, verse 15. Therefore Jesse is before the throne of God and will serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among Jesse. And Jesse shall ne neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike Jesse, nor any heat. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd Jesse and lead Jesse to the living fountains of water. And God will wipe away every tear from Jesse's eyes. Let me close by saying this, guys. I don't know what some of us are going through, what we've been through, we're about to go through. But I do know this. I know that there's troubles and pain and a lot of weeping. But one day there's going to be joy. And what joy that's going to be. We are going to get to serve God day and night in the temple. And He's going to dwell with us. And the Lamb, Jesus Christ, is going to lead us and shepherd us to the fountains of life. And God is going to wipe away every one of our tears. So what's the point? How do we apply this? Well, I think there's a reason why the door is open. God just didn't want us to peek through the windows to see what's going on. He desires our presence. And I thank God for that. Personalize. What do I do with that? Well, guys, I'm homesick. I'm so homesick. We should all be homesick. Earth is only a temporary residence. Heaven is our real home. 